I've lived in northern Monmouth County in New Jersey my entire life. I've been a fiction writer, actor, playwright, blogger, gourmet chef, home renovator, event planner, landscape architect, and decorator. I'm married to a professional drummer who is also an award-winning photographer, so the arts have always been really important to me. There are so many people in this part of New Jersey that are involved in the arts, and I am planning to talk to all of them. Well, maybe not all of them, but a lot of them. And I'm inviting you to listen in. I'm Lucille Sapio, talking arts and culture, and this is Hazlitt Coffee Talk. Today I'm talking with Rob Mandelberg, who you might call a jack of all talents because I've lost track of exactly how many talents he does have. He's not your typical writer, although he is a writer with a focus on comedy. He's written several books. Most of them focus on the middle school market. He's written plays. He produced a comedy troupe called Schizo for many years. He's a performer, a producer, an actor, and a magician. You name it, Rob has probably done it and done it really well. So good afternoon, Rob. Thank you so much for making time. I'm happy to, thank you for having me. I'd like to ask you about the myriad of artistic outlets that you have. I know you primarily think of yourself as a writer now. You've written books, you've been an actor, a screenplay writer, a magician. You had a, an improv troupe called Schizo Comedy Troupe. Mm -hmm. Out of all of those artistic outlets, which of those did you get the most enjoyment from? I think that when I am working with an ensemble of actors who I really uh, appreciate, respect, find them very funny, and I've been able to see my writing material come to life, working with them in that capacity, that's probably the most satisfying. It seems that over different decades, you've concentrated on different things. Can you kind of address that? Sure. In my 20s, I, I was focused pretty much exclusively on comedy, on building my comedy troupe, performing. One of the things that I never liked doing, which is probably a, a discussion for another day, is the mixing of the artistic and the commercial aspects of entertainment. I mean, I've had managers along the way, but really, you're the one who's in charge of what I always call selling tickets. Sometimes it's booking a venue, sometimes it's getting a publisher. You have to bring it to life. You can write something, but in order to actually have it, see it come to life, you need to have that production. So the 20s I was spent on doing that, heavily involved in all of the aspects. Uh, comedy troupe, we would perform at let's say colleges and maybe some uh, nightclubs. Then moving into my 30s, I did a lot of the interactive theater, Kathy Reed Productions, Murder on Q, uh, writing and performing in a lot of those, and I don't know, hundreds of performances and still doing the comedy troupe. As I got a little bit older into my 40s, I guess I was doing more book writing. I was writing books on uh, magic, on mini mysteries, mostly for middle school audiences. Now that I'm in my 50s, I find I've been a little bit uh, lagging in the, the creative aspect. I'm focused mostly on writing. <laughs> <Making> yes. <money. laughs> yeah, but it's, it's writing, it's, it's marketing. It, yeah. and, I, and I don't really get that fulfillment that I had, but I am starting to work on some other things now, freeing up some time and trying to give more of a focus on uh, the creative aspect. You wrote a screenplay about a man who's tricked by his wife in a reality television scenario and he ends up getting charged with murder. I was lucky enough to have the role of a fairly incompetent defense attorney, so thank you for that. I wasn't typecasting, I promise. 
Now, I believe that this short movie won at least one award. Is that correct? Uh, it did. It won an audience award in the Long Island Big Fish Film Festival, which was very exciting. Uh, what was even more exciting was having all the people who I've been working with and doing shows with and doing comedy with transition into uh, making a film. Kathy Reed was the producer. Randy Wright was the director of photography. You, uh, John, uh, Jimmy, Nika. I mean, we had yeah. so many people who we go way back with, and now we get to make a movie. And it was so exciting working with the filming, with the editing, the whole production. Really, it was an extraordinary experience. You have the plan that you're laying out. You have your shooting script. You know what the plan is supposed to be. You realize how that's supposed to come out. You, you do the camera angles the best you can. You do the editing the best you can. And some parts you're very proud of and some parts you're not. What I'm extraordinarily proud of with that movie, which, by the way, it was done on a budget of about $2,000 plus another 2000 for marketing. We had really nothing to go on. That's right. I never got paid for that. Um, oh, it's, uh, it's probably in the in mail the now. <laughs> probably in the mail now. But because of the ingenuity of the people involved, yeah. uh, because Randy was designing the sets and building the sets, yeah. because the camera that I had was not a professional one. Kathy, the producer, would, would produce miracles. I'd say, we need a courtroom. We need a jail. What do mm -hmm. we... She says, don't worry about it. Those things will all be taken yeah. care of. And she arranged it all. She yeah. got everything together. Mm -hmm. But then at the very end, the footage is what it is. The editing is what it is. You wish that you had another day of shooting to yeah. fill in some of those shots. But I'm very proud of what we had accomplished. I think it's a lot of fun. But yes, I recognize it's a low-budget presentation. It's all about the story. It's not about individual pieces of it. It's got to be a cohesive story. And I think being a writer is what really made a difference with that. It wasn't just, oh, I've got an idea, let's make a movie. It was an actual story that you then made into a script. And is that is that the way, let me go back and say, is that the way you do it? Do you come up with the story first and then you write the script or do you just write the story as you're writing the script? Well, I was on the phone with my publisher, with the editor, and I gave him the idea. I pitched him on the idea. It wasn't supposed to be a screenplay at the time, but when I got off the phone with him, I said, you know what? That would be an absolutely awesome script. And I started writing the script. I had a, uh, a script coach that I worked with. Then I said, let's put this into a script. I was actually going to shoot it in one weekend, but then Kathy said, let me see that script. She looked at it. She says, hold on, let me do my thing to it. And she did it. And it was just brilliant to watch her work. I did recently interview Kathy Reed. And of course, as we've talked about, you've worked with her for many years in her murder mystery company. In fact, I think I worked at least in one play that you wrote the script for. And I want you to know, Kathy had some extremely complimentary things to say about the shows that you've written. She really? said that they were some of the best scripts Aww. that she had to work with. Very, very sweet of her. What do you think makes a murder mystery script effective? It, it is a murder mystery. It's interactive. Uh, and while all the scripts do have a comedy angle to them, there's other components. There's character development. There's the mystery itself. There's the interactive part. I focused on the comedy, and I tried to use the interactive format to try to bring about as much humor as possible within that context. Did the solution always make complete <laughs> sense? Probably not. I don't think people cared. It was not a Sherlock Holmes type of a mystery. And for those people that haven't actually been to a murder mystery, these are murder mystery dinners that, generally speaking, there are about three or four scripted acts, and in between, there's improv. 
you have to be able to play off of the other actors because they're going to improvise. They're going to throw things at you that you have to react to. Well, yes, absolutely. And not only are you playing off the other actors, you're playing off the audience members. You're actually sitting, you're eating dinner with them, and you have to stay within character. And of course, they'll say to you, what do you actually do? You might do the same show 100, 200 times. The execution of it's always different because you have different audience members. Probably the most fun murder mystery that I wrote, it was a criminal convention. And I added another element to it. Everybody was given fake money where they had goals to try to earn clues. And the actors can have them do certain acts to earn this fake money, which could, which could then help them to buy clues. Everybody is so fully engaged. They're really trying to earn this money so they could buy more clues, and it just got completely out of hand, and it was the most <laughs> incredible experience. We're talking about improvisation, and people don't realize it isn't just a free-for-all. There are rules that you work by. One of the things, for example, you're not looking to negate anything. When someone takes something into a particular direction, you can't stop and try to bring it back to where you wanted it to go, but really you're playing off the other person. So that's the main thing. The comedy troupe I had was mostly scripted. We did have some improvisation. Uh, it wasn't a, a true improv group because a lot of it was set characters and, and set scripts. So tell me a little bit about this comedy troupe that you had. It was called Skitso, S-K-I-T-S-O. S-K-I-T-S-O. We did skits. Started off when I was in uh, college at Stockton. We had a troupe there for, I guess it was for, for, for a couple of years. Afterwards, I built another troupe uh, and we did some performing in colleges. Uh, some high schools and we really did such a wide variety of things like a local cable show some clubs we actually also were hired by individuals to come in and do personal performances at, at parties and things like that and we did a lot of roasts and then I went on a, a tear where I was practically doing a roast a weekend people would hire me to learn information about their husband about their wife I still do those roasts for uh, family members there's really uh, probably nothing more impactful than being able to gently make fun of somebody in front of all their friends and family. Now that brings me to the question or to the subject that you are not the only creative one in your family. Your daughter is a very talented actor. Uh, yes. And uh, so is your wife. So is my wife. My wife has now just become TikTok famous with over 100,000 followers. Whoa. I think one of her videos got over 4 million views. And what, what is her TikTok uh, handle? At Nika Stew, N-I-K-A-S-T-E-W. She's uh, just brilliant with her productions. But yes, my daughter is uh, quite an interesting person. I think her greatest talent is her comedy and her songwriting. So how else do you use your creative skills? Are you currently doing any writing that isn't business associated? My current project is putting together a radio play on a manuscript that I had written a while back. And I think that's perfect in this time of the pandemic because people could actually perform this from their own home. They can take the script, they, they can record it, give us, send me the audio. There's no in-person meetings, it could be all done through editing. So it looks to me like it's gonna be a pretty monumental project when it comes to editing, which would be Nika's job. So I have to make sure that she's on board. So I'm doing that and I'm also revisiting some of the scripts that I've written to see if I could put them together into some short form video, maybe YouTube, maybe some TikTok. Let's get back to your books because you brought that up before, but we really haven't spent any time with that. I know you've written several books. Talk a little bit about the kind of writing that you've done. One of the things I've always done, one of the fun things I've always done is mind reading, uh, where it, it actually looks like I'm reading minds, but these are tricks and I've been doing them all my life. And then I decided to put them into 
into a series of books which did get published. And what are they called? Uh, mystifying Mind Reading Tricks. Another one is uh, Easy Mind Reading Tricks. Another one is Mind Reading Card Tricks. And then I put together a series of mysteries, A Case of the Curious Campaign. And um, it's funny, I can't even think of that last one. But in any case, I infuse comedy within the format. And I do love when I get feedback from people who have bought the books. And they'll bring out some of the things that I spent so many hours working on that I see that they appreciated. It's so different from performing in front of an audience because you don't get that feedback. And the only feedback you get is maybe months or years later. My friend has a, a nephew who was spending time at his apartment. His nephew had read through a bunch of his books on his bookshelf. And the nephew said, I now have a favorite author. His name is Robert <laughs> Mandelberg. And that was so much fun oh, to hear things great. like that. You know, when you put these things out, there's a lot of fun little things that happen. People send the books to have them. You sign them there. It, it makes you feel good that, that it's being appreciated, all the yeah. work that you're putting into it. This will be my last question. Uh-huh. And it's really something that I ask everyone that I'm talking to on this podcast. What kind of advice would you give someone who's looking to actually have a career in the arts? To get the job in the arts that is so extremely competitive and you need so much more than just simple talent to make it work. I guess I could give the, uh, the story about Burn Your Boats. It was Cortez who was invading Central America from Spain and he brought over a small army and they had to face a much, much bigger army and Cortez did not want to retreat. So what does he do? He instructs his army to burn their boats. Why? Because there's only one possible solution now. There's no retreat. If you want to get a job in the arts, you can't have a plan B and you have to go at it as full force as you possibly can. I catch myself in a lie here because I said that was the last question, but I, I just thought of another one I'd like to ask you. Does it have to do with Cortez? Because no. I know everything there is to know about Cortez. <laughs> no. You have obviously had a publisher or have a publisher, and I'd be curious to know how do you go about getting someone to publish your work? And second half of that question, what do you think about self-publishing? Self-publishing is great. It gives you an avenue to uh, express yourself, to have an audience. A lot of the stuff that I've written, I know I had a friend of mine in, in college. Uh, he's actually my roommate. He spent two years working on a screenplay, which basically stayed in his drawer for then the rest of his life. The amount of creativity, the amount of things he put into it, and he never got to see it manifest. He never got to see it produced. I've always shot smaller, and I've always been able to get things produced, published, because I do it on a more limited basis. For the comedy troupe, I wrote my own scripts. For the movie, we produced it ourselves. So self-publishing, I think, is an absolutely fantastic yeah. thing to do, yeah. but you need to be able to market it. Used to be considered, oh, I guess you're not good enough to be published, but now... Well, with, who cares yeah. what, what they think? I mean, <laughs> you know, you, you get you get a book, you can market it, and with social media, you can get it into the right audience. How do you get a book published traditionally? The most important advice I could give is look at what you're writing and look who wants it. I hear from a lot of authors that they get rejected, and I find out that they're sending their manuscripts in into places that would never publish what they're doing. They're sending their fiction into nonfiction publishers. You look at what their niche is and you look at what you're writing and then you try to find the appropriate agent or the appropriate publisher. You use networking, use some people. I had some contacts. You get introduced to people. And then finally, if you're doing it the right way, you do end up getting some things published. Most of the things that I've submitted did not get published, but I do have six books published out there. They're out of print now. So we nice can't go on Amazon them. and buy them? Yeah, you could probably buy them now somewhere on Amazon. Well, Rob, I really want to thank you for coming and speaking. I know we've known each other for a long time, but I learned some new things about you. Thank you so much for uh, having me on, and I uh, will see you soon. I love the arts, and I love to talk, and that's why I'm talking to local artists. 
And if you like listening, then subscribe to my podcast. You can do it on this page, on iTunes, or anywhere you get podcasts. I'm Lucille Sapio, and this is Hazlitt Coffee Talk. Oh, my God.